Quick question, just to pull the room here. What is, um, what is a good gift from God that you enjoy? Okay, that can be like, that you're enjoying right now. That can be a kind of food, drink, uh, a movie you watched that really stirred your affections for God recently, uh, exercise, sports, whatever it is. Like just, I'm going to call on someone if not. But, oh yeah. Taste, but yeah, like to taste what? Is it like, what's your top two foods? Oh, kava. We love kava. Yes, praise God for kava. It it truly does stir my affections for God. Yes. Anyone else? Coffee. Coffee. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb. Yeah. Sunsets. Yes. Oh, man, we love sunsets. Yes. What, the name? Names. Oh, yeah. All right. Praise God for names. We do. God calls us by name. That's awesome. Yes. Okay, can you really quick, can you just stand on that chair and show us a, a recent hot yoga move that you've done? Uh, yep. Yeah, there it is. All right. Wow. Kibasa to downward dog, back to kibasa to the leaning tree. Is that what that was? And flowers. I heard someone say flowers. Anyway, a lot of good gifts. Praise God for them. Um, but today, so I'm going to give us, um, I'm going to just briefly lay out uh, this tension and kind of talk about some biblical principles and foundations for it. And then I'm going to have a panel come up that I'm really pumped about. Uh, and so that's kind of how this is going to work. I'm going to go through a few passages of scripture. Um, and so that's where we're going. But to start off, a few weeks ago, um, I was in Arizona and I was playing golf with my dad and my brother and it was awesome. Like, I mean, 65 degrees, sunny, there's like luscious, you know, green, uh, golf course, mountains in the backdrop, desert and cactus, like all, it was, I mean, it was amazing. So by all means, I should have been extremely joyful. What happened in that moment was a wave of guilt just like suddenly came upon me. Like as my brother's hitting his golf shot, I just feel guilty. I was like, how am I enjoying this incredible golf course when there's people that don't know Jesus who are dying apart from him. How can I enjoy this golf game when there's so much work to be get done on the college campus? And I just started to feel guilty for enjoying this, right? And I, I remember like confessing and asking God, like, forgive me, God, for being here on the golf course when I could be like overseas sharing the gospel. And I remember the Lord being like in that moment, like, my son, don't ask for forgiveness. Enjoy this gift I have given you Because in enjoying this gift, you are enjoying me, the giver, who is a God of abundance. And I just have to imagine that I'm not the only one who sometimes feels guilty when I'm not doing something that seems to be directly advancing God's kingdom. I have to imagine I'm not the only one uh, that has sat down to to watch a movie and felt guilty because you could be praying. Like I have to imagine I'm not the only one that gets an epic night's sleep, but then you feel guilty because you could have gotten up at 5 a.m. to read your Bible. You know, like I just have to imagine I'm probably not the only one. Maybe I am. I don't know. But I have to imagine that, right? But I think what this does is it exposes the tension we feel, right? That on the one hand, we're called to love God and adore him um, and give everything for King Jesus, right? Like the rich young ruler who he gives all his money and and serves Jesus. Um, But on the other hand, there's a lot of things that we enjoy in this world that are not God, right? Cheeseburgers, Chick-fil-A sauce, LaCroix, steak, uh, Golf. No one else might enjoy that, but I like it. So there's all these things you can enjoy uh, that are not directly God. So what do we do with that? You know, like, how do I both love God above all things and love the earthly things at the same time? How do I set my mind on things above while still enjoying things below, like a bacon cheeseburger with some ketchup on that bad boy, you know? Um, So can I enjoy both those things, both the gifts from God and Jesus? So um, that's actually not a tension, though, that's created from your desire for a cheeseburger, but that's a tension we see in Scripture, Right, you look at Philippians 3, 7 through 8. And on one hand, Paul calls us to sacrifice. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as excrement in order that I may gain Christ. So there it's like, okay, so we just count everything on earth as crap compared to Jesus, um, right? And we sacrifice everything. And we just think Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all day long. So we just need to decrease our delight in cheeseburgers. But actually, no, because Scripture also says uh, in 1 Timothy 6, 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God 
who richly provides us with everything to enjoy, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God has provided us with everything to enjoy. And everything there is not just salvation or the Bible, right? But that everything includes sunsets and flowers and hot yoga and all these things, right? So there's this both and tension that scripture calls us into, right? How do we live out this tension of enjoying gifts from God and being willing to sacrifice anything for God? So we're gonna talk first about um, how to enjoy God's gifts without it being selfish. Like how do you enjoy God's gifts without it being selfish? Um, And and a good way to think about this tension in particular is to think about um, what happens when when you run towards either extreme, right? So when you run towards overemphasizing God's gifts, like the things we've talked about, um, even though they're good things, what can happen is it leads to worship of the wrong thing, right? Romans 1, uh, 25, Paul rebukes the church because they worship and serve created things rather than the creator. So there we see we can worship, which just means like we find joy in uh, created things rather than the creator. And often what, what happens, and you know, if you identify with this, then this probably means you're falling into this camp a little too much, but it, is this can lead to um, laziness or apathy towards God or overindulgence on things like media, uh, entertainment, um, and so on. So what happens is this good gift that's meant to um, point you to the good giver ends up being where you kind of land and stop for joy. Uh, and it's kind of like Jonathan Edwards, um, he, he talks about it like this. He says, when you think about good gifts from God, he says, these are but shadows, but the enjoyment of God is the substance. These are but scattered beams, but God is the sun. These are but streams, but God is the fountain. And these are but drops, but God is the ocean. So what can happen is our joy stops at the beam rather than going from the bean and seeing that that comes from the sun. It can stop at the stream, rather than that stream leading us to the fountain of all joy, which is God himself. So instead of that, instead of that cup of coffee that comes out and it smells amazing, right? You smell the, the citrusy, earthy notes, and it's just like you're pumped about that cup of coffee. Instead of that leading to praising the giver of those coffee beans who made the coffee beans, it stops at the coffee bean, right? And that, that's... Um, that's what can happen. So how, how do we actually enjoy these gifts, though, without it leading to this kind of idolatry and uh, selfish indulgence? Three quick things. First is prioritize daily time with God. When you spend time in God's presence, it orients your heart to remember where true joy is found, right? Not in the gift, but in the giver. And it puts the gifts in their proper place. So if you struggle with laziness or um, apathy towards God or a lack of self-control, and you can't remember the last time you sacrificed something for God, then it could be because you treasure the gifts more than the giver. And so we need to spend that time in the morning to see that Jesus is more beautiful and he is a better treasure than any gift that he gives. And so we love the gifts, but they're meant to point us to the giver we love even more than that. And so um, daily time with God. Second is self-denial. So how do we um, how do we enjoy God's gifts without it leading to selfishness? First, daily time with God. Second is self-denial. I know that sounds ironic because we're talking about enjoying the gifts and enjoying things from God. But listen, this is really important in this. Restraint and self-control actually serve our joy in God and his gifts and help us hold this tension. So if you drown yourself in lemonade, then you lose lemonade, you know? <laughs> like if you gorge yourself on cheesecake, then you lose your proper enjoyment of cheesecake, right? And one pastor says, um, enjoyment of God's gifts involve resisting the impulse of encore, right? Resisting the impulse of encore. Uh, and the itch we have to overly indulge our earthly appetites um, and have things over and over again, it actually ruins our capacity for true joy. Um, so self-denial and even things like fasting, what it does is for a moment, it reminds us, I don't need these things for ultimate joy because that is found in Jesus whose steadfast love is better than life, who has put more joy in our heart than when wine and grain abound, who I have nothing on earth I desire besides him. And so that's what self-denial and fasting can do. The third is gratitude, right? So time of Jesus, self-denial, and gratitude. Just get in the habit of saying, thank you, God. When that steaming cup of coffee comes out, before you drink it, say, thank you, God, for this gift that points me to the giver, and then drink that cup of coffee to the glory of God. Jabal is a great spot for that, by the way, um, right down the road here, if you need some of that over break. Um, First Timothy 4, 4, it says, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Um, So in all things, thank the giver. But the next side of this tension is how do we sacrifice for God's kingdom without it being joyless? 
How do we sacrifice for God's kingdom without it being joyless? Um, so if we swing too far on the sacrifice side, where all we think about is, you know, just sacrifice, 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 then what can happen is Christianity becomes joyless and all you think about is what you have to give up for Christ rather than all you gain in Jesus. Or you feel so guilty, like where I kind of swing on, on the golf course, is you feel so guilty when you do anything other than like overtly spiritual activities um, that you give more weight to spiritual tasks than just ordinary mundane things and it prevents you from just having fun and enjoying life unless you're doing like evangelism or reading the Bible, right? Um, so you start to think like, am I only glorifying God if I'm reading the Bible, right? But then what about exercise? What about you would brush your teeth? What about you would play basketball? Like how do you glorify God in that, right? Um, so it makes having fun and normal things kind of hard. Um, I had a friend like this in college and I required him to play darts with me twice a week. Uh, we had a dartboard and um, it got pretty wild. We played this game called darts where if you got a bullseye, the other person had to do the dare that you called them to do. It was, it was wild. So um, it, anyway, a lot of stories there. But so how do you actually practically sacrifice without, um, without it being joyless? So the first thing, again, is daily time with God. Kind of get, that's sort of a big thing here. Uh, daily time with Jesus to set your heart on that. Because as you spend time with God, you realize the goal of being a Christian is not just occasional bursts of sacrifice, but it's a lifelong enjoyment of God in all things. The Christian life is not just these occasional moments of a lot of sacrifice, but it's a lifelong enjoyment of God in all things. Psalm 1611, he's the fullness, the fullness of joy is found in his presence. So your heart in that moment is tuned to enjoy him in all things throughout the day, whether you're on a run with a friend, you're eating a cheeseburger, or you're doing hot yoga, right? You realize he is with you and for you. I'm sorry, I probably can use that example way too much, but um, I just, <laughs> when I think about good gifts now, all I can think about is hot yoga. And I don't even like hot yoga. I sweat way too much for that. Um, so that daily time with him, it orients your heart towards, these, uh, towards, towards Christ um, and focus on being with him. And what it really does, it shows you when you spend time with Jesus to enjoy him, it shows you he's not a, a demanding boss that just wants you to do stuff for him, but he's a loving father that wants you to be with him, right? And that's what happens when you spend time with him. So um, the, second, the second thing is, um, so daily time with God. Second is identify, thank, and enjoy, okay? It's kind of three things there. Identify, thank, and enjoy. So identify the earthly gifts, that God has given you that you actually really do enjoy, right? Like God wants you to receive those gifts. So think about what like really makes you happy and stirs your affection for God, right? That's obviously not sin, right? So if it is sunsets or coffee or flowers, like identify what that is, thank God for those things and then enjoy them. Like go, go buy some flowers or go take a walk and enjoy flowers or go get up early and go see the sunset or, um, you know, go get a cup of coffee and enjoy that for the glory of God. So identify, thank, and enjoy. James 1.17, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of change. So every good and perfect gift is from above. And the last thing here is Sabbath, right? So prioritize time with God. Um, identify, thank, and enjoy, and then Sabbath is huge for this. So what I mean by Sabbath is one day a week where you take off work and you rest from work, whether that be schoolwork or actual work, whatever it is, um, and just enjoy God and his good gifts. The Sabbath reminds you once a day, for a full day, our goal in the Christian life is not just to do stuff for God, but it's to enjoy God. That's what the Sabbath does. It helps you remember the goal of the Christian life is to enjoy God, not just do stuff for him. So on my Sabbath, I drink coffee, hang out with, with Hannah and Ezra, and we play, um, and Ezra hugs all of his puppies like 14 different times, and it's awesome. We go on a walk. Uh, sometimes I'll play golf. Sometimes I'll exercise. Sometimes we'll watch a really good movie. Um, so we'll do those things just because all those things do stir my affection for God, right? I don't, my heart doesn't end with those things at the end of the day. It doesn't just say, okay, it was a great day. Got to drink some coffee. Next. But I say, thank you, God, for giving me these good gifts of coffee and a, and a wife and a kid and, uh, and walks and all these things, right? Those things are meant to stir your affection for God. Don't let your affection stop at the beam, but make him go to the sun. Don't let him stop at the stream, but let him go to the fountain. So we want to be a people that enjoy God's gifts as a way of growing in our delight and enjoyment of the giver without the gifts being an endpoint, but a signpost to the giver. And we want people who sacrifice much for King Jesus, but not out of a sense of joyless duty, but because in all things, even the good gifts, we see he is our supreme joy. So I'm gonna call up uh, our panel here. So we got Scott Urbanic, Cassie Bonar, and Jordan Komen. And so, yeah, you guys give it up for them.
So Scott is the college pastor at Mercy Church in Charlotte, um, and he, uh, yeah, he does hot yoga with, uh, what's your name again? Ethan down there in Charlotte, right? That's how, you, that's how Ethan got into it, right? Wasn't that? Yeah. <laughs> he said that's why we hired him for his high yoga skills. So um, Scott and then uh, Cassidy Bonar is hello, on hello. staff as well at Mercy Church in Charlotte. And uh, Cassidy actually, um, we, let's see, were you a freshman when I was a senior or when I was on staff? Anyway, she was at UNC when I was there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then Scott was actually the campus director at UNC before me. Um, and then uh, he's got a tattoo on his thigh of like all of Isaiah 6, which is actually true. <laughs> that like sounds like a joke, but it's actually true. Um, it's pretty awesome. And then... Uh, Scott, what, what mic do you have? This, this one. Oh, <laughs> did it work? Four. Four. Oh, there, there we go. go. Hey. Hey, go. all right. Then Jordan Coman here, they, they call him J. Cole, and uh, he is our, uh, he's our, our missions director with Summit College. Um, and uh, so, yeah, this is our panel. And I brought them up here because each of them, I think, exude both the joy that we have in Christ when we enjoy his good gifts, and they both sacrificed a lot for King Jesus Enjoy. So my first question for you guys is, what is a good gift um, from God that you're enjoying right now? A good gift from God you're enjoying right now, and, and, and why? Like something that stirs your affection for God. That's not sin, Scott. So. <laughs> I'll answer that just to get that out of the way. Uh, yeah, I think, <laughs> I think something for me, um, all right, so I'm not a huge Enneagram person, but I think this is at least helpful for me. As an Enneagram 7, I want to avoid negative emotion at all times. So, like, I do anything to numb or, like, avoid, like, anything that could be possibly bad about anything. So, uh, so, so I think what I've needed is I've needed things that actually help me slow down and actually help me process. So, I've been... I've been doing some things recently. Uh, I'm not a huge nature guy. I'm colorblind. Like, I'm like, okay, that's a mountain. Great. You're just a giant rock. I don't care. Uh, so like, I don't really get stirred up to worship God that way. But what I do is I love people and I see how God moves and works and like the beauty of like people and how God is working through them. So I love to be with people, but also anything that I can just slow down and process God. And like right now I'm, I learned to smoke barbecue. So I've been doing that and it takes like eight hours to do it. So I just sit there and watch it. So it's really relaxing. That's good, man. You paused after you said smoke and everyone was on the edge of their seat there. <laughs> was that an intentional pause? It was. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, so we live in Charlotte and I live in really close to the city. Uh, so lots of buildings, concrete, all that good stuff. And I love being outside. I love nature and there's not many trees around, around where I live, but something honestly, I really, really enjoy is riding my bike down like mega hills with no hands. Um, and it is just so fun. Like, if you've never done it before, you should really try it because it's really fun. Um, gets me outside. It's a thrill because, yeah, no hands. Um, and one, no, but I, I need to get one. Uh, but one other thing is, um, like just taking walks as well, like walks around being outside and, when, I was, when this question was asked, it made me think, like, I enjoy these things not because um, they complete my joy in Christ, but because they're just an expression of my joy in him. And I can enjoy riding my bike down hills out of just the enjoyment that I have in God. And um, it's just something really fun to do. So That's good. Don't you rollerblade, too? I gave that up for the meantime. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so for me, uh, how many of you, like, just love reading or hearing or even watching, like, inspirational stories? Like, it just encourages you. Um, well, that, that's kind of, like, where I am, and I didn't realize how much I missed out on those by not being a reader, all right? So... I was not a big time reader, but my wife embarked uh, last year on reading like an ungodly amount of books. I think she finished the year at 85 books. 
Um, and so she kind of brought me along for the ride, and uh, I basically went from reading, uh, you know, like four or five books that people made me read every year. And last year I read like 34 books, y'all. So, um, so, but it's actually grown my affection for God because, uh, like, I do it very intentionally. So, um, just reading inspiring, encouraging stories. Uh, one, I'll, I'll actually recommend one. So there's one out there right now called Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage. You totally need to read this story, or you can listen to it on Audible, read by this, like, really cool British guy. And, uh, dude, their journey is just, when you said that you like going down hills, so they, like... So they're like going on this voyage to cross the Antarctica, uh, like all of the continent. And uh, this is 1914. And basically they do way more than that because they get stuck and they have to just survive. So it's just like a story of survival, leadership, and it's super inspiring. And so I I really enjoy stories and reading now, um, even though I didn't used to. Uh, And I love hiking, you know. So going on hikes with my family, um, we actually just hiked uh, Okanichi Mount, Mountain, quotes, um, in Orange County. It's the highest point in Orange County. And uh, yeah, I just love being in nature. God, you know, his word actually says that uh, all of creation screams his name, like points to him. And so I really, I really sense that and feel that when I'm out and about. So That's good. Yeah. Be honest. Did, did anyone not read more than 85 words last year? Anyone? Oh, okay, BT. <laughs> oh, um, that's awesome. Well, I think it's important to ask that and hear, hear them say that because sometimes we think with God's gifts, like we just, we need to sort of deaden our desire for God's gifts or minimize them so that we can just enjoy God more. But what you hear is, is they, they enjoy reading and um, time with friends or uh, bike rides with no hands, like those things actually increase affection and joy in God as an expression of joy in God. And you see this in scripture, right? Because if you think about it, like Psalm, um, Psalm 4, I think it's 3, where it says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their wine and grain abound. That, that phrase, is, that verse is assuming the psalmist enjoys wine and grain. Like if that psalmist doesn't enjoy wine and grain, that statement doesn't have any meaning, right? Um, Psalm 63, uh, Psalm 63.3, where it says, you, um, your steadfast love is better than life. If you think about that verse, like if that, if that psalmist doesn't have any enjoyment in life, then that statement is empty. And like, it would be like me telling my wife, um, babe, I, I love you like more than a hot bowl of cabbage soup, you know? She'd be like, what? Like that, that's like insulting. That's not romantic. I don't want to slap you. But if I told my wife, like, I love you more than a round of golf, that brings honor to her because I love golf, right? And so, <laughs> so that statement is true. And romantic. We... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm a big, big romancer. So, <laughs> oh man. Um, so that statement is only true if uh, if we enjoy things in the world and we enjoy God's gifts because it points to the ultimate giver who is better than life. So um, the next question here is for, uh, for Scott, you and, you and Cassidy, um, Casablanca. That's what everyone uh, used to call her. Actually, I was the only one I think ever called her that. So, um, <laughs> But how do you guys find joy and sacrifice and self-denial? Like that can be hard to do. How has that um, played out in your life? And yeah, what has like joyful sacrifice looked like for you guys? Yeah, um, I think I think when thinking about sacrifice uh, in my own life, I had to first think about what even keeps me from sacrificing, and that I'm I'm the biggest person in my life that keeps me from sacri- making sacrifices. Um, and uh, I think this is is because I, in the moment when sacrifice is before me, what I think that I want in that moment is comfort and ease and a nap or whatever it may be. Um, but what I think that I, I want, uh, God, uh, he knows what I need and he knows that I need him and I need more of him and that in a lot of moments I don't, I don't need more comfort. I don't need a nap. Um, and, and, and thinking about this question too, and, and just looking at sacrifices I have made in my life, I've come to see that there is far more joy found in sacrifice than in self-preservation. Um, and that we see, I mean, we see this all over scripture. Like, 
I don't. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where it, it says preserve yourself. You you must preserve yourself. Um, but it says it says to deny yourself, um, and and I I think too that sacrifice requires us to depend not on ourselves but on God, um, and. As, as I've walked in sacrifice, like I've come to see more of who God is because it has crucified my flesh. Um, but in the crucifix, like in crucifying my flesh, I've seen even the power of the spirit um, to, to sustain me in sacrifice. Um, and we know one of the fruits of the spirit is joy. Uh, and so experiencing just the fruit of, of joy in the spirit and sacrificing uh, to get more of God. Um, and I think that's, I think that's it. <laughs> that's good, yeah. Yeah, I just want to say what she said. Uh, that was really good. Um, I think, so when thinking about sacrifice, um, for me, you know, it just reminds me of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know, I think the familiar passage to us is that we are a new creation, right? And, you know, we're ambassadors for Christ. But there's also, I think, some really forgotten verses. Uh, in verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. And... So thinking about that, that Christ and his sacrifice and my salvation was the price of me dying to myself and to follow him. Now, that does also, the tension between that is that it also leads me to my greatest joy because he's a good dad and he loves me. Therefore, if he loves me and he's sovereign and he's good and he cares for me, am I going to trust in this sacrifice that whatever he's calling me to, it's also for my greatest enjoyment? And if, if not, I think that we can sometimes have a hard time actually believing whether or not we think he's a good dad. Um, is he a good dad or is he not? And if his salvation, if our salvation was just to save us from hell, uh, then we're going to walk around like, that's all we got out of this deal. And we're not going to enjoy him. His gifts aren't going to be as sweet. And following him, being obedient, like sacrificing for him is drudgery. And it's only going to dig us into a greater hole. And yeah, it'd just be really hard to enjoy him. Mm, that's, yeah, that's really good. I think the, the, the picture of a good dad is so helpful. Because one, a good dad loves to give his kids good gifts. And that dad would actually be upset if the kid was not delighting his gifts, right? I got Ezra this little truck, um, and he, like, he actually hates it. Like, he weeps every time he sees it, and it makes me sad. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, man. But I, like, want him to love it. Um, but at the same time, when, when the father does ask us to give something up, right, if I ask Ezra to put the steak knife away, um, it is, like, for his joy, so he doesn't you know, well, you know, who knows what would happen to that. <laughs> One time Scott and uh, his family was over at our house. I knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> and we're like hanging out, eating dinner. And all of a sudden his wife jumps up and runs and dives and scoops up their daughter because she had grabbed like a steak knife out of your wife's purse. You remember that? And she was like running around with his knife. I don't know why she had a knife in her Out of her purse. purse. Anyway, so. I have no idea. <laughs> but yeah, I love the image of like a, a good dad that gives his kids good gifts. And also, we sacrifice for our joy. So I think that's, sorry, I'm talking too much. Uh, next question. Um, how, do you, how do you know when to sacrifice? So kind of along this. How do you know when to sacrifice? And when God is calling you to give up one of those things? Um, or when to enjoy it as one of his good gifts? So Jordan and, and Cassie, I'll ask you guys this question. How do you know when to sacrifice something and when to you know, enjoy it as one of those good gifts. Uh, so, and I, I think my answer is actually kind of boring, so bear with me. But I think it's also very practical, um, and it's this. I think you need to budget your money and your time, and you need to prioritize things in advance. <laughs> I know that sounds so boring. And, uh, hey, can you, yeah, you want to use Cassidy's? Are you okay with that? I know that sounds so boring and un, like not Cassie exciting. Cassie tested positive for COVID like three days ago, so you should be okay, fine. Perfect. I think she's good at this yeah, point. I'll just so. lick yeah. the mic. Um, and uh, we've actually, you know, at Summit, we've been talking about the identities of a disciple. And one of those is steward. 
And I think in many ways we've neglected that uh, and just haven't haven't passed along how we need to be stewards. And so just listen to this, Psalm 24, uh, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Verse 2, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. And then Psalm 50 says that God doesn't need or require anything of us. Right. He doesn't need us. Right. And uh, so those two truths and the reality that I am a steward of what God has given me mm-hmm. and of the gifts that he's given me just changes everything, guys. And for me, at least, uh, I, real, I just know that like, if I don't budget or prioritize my time, my money, my talents in advance, I am going to naturally slip into comfort yeah. I'm going to naturally slip into uh, spending my money frivolous, frivolously or like on things that just don't matter. Um, and so actually like having the self-discipline and taking the time to each month with my wife say what we're going to do with our money, how we're going to be generous, how we're going to uh, do this or that. It also leads us to like how we're going to make sacrifices and, <laughs> uh, and, and all those good things. And um, I know it's not like super exciting, but Pastor Brad Hambrick, our, our counseling pastor, he says this, uh, God's will fits in God's provision. God's will fits in his provision. And you know what, guys? A lot of us are so tired, worn out, or disappointed, or stressed, or anxious, because you are trying to manage your life like backwards, you're not proactively like planning how you're going to use your money, how you're going to use your time, how you're going to use your talents. You're just kind of doing it and you're trying to squeeze it all in. And we often say, man, there's just not enough hours in a week to do my schoolwork, to lead my family group, to, to uh, disciple the people in my D group. And actually, you're just being a poor steward. Um, and we got to grow and learn how to, God's given us enough time in the week to accomplish his will. You, you don't need more. God's given you enough money when you grow up and you actually make money because you guys are in college, but he's going to give you enough money to do and to follow him wherever he calls you and whatever he tells you to do. And so I, I, I have learned that having that budget, prioritizing my time, spending a, once a year dreaming and thinking about what God wants me to do with my life has really helped me daily, weekly, monthly, yearly like hold that tension of, oh, these are gifts. You know, I can go on a date with my wife at Angus Barn because we budgeted for it and I'm just going to enjoy it. Dang, or, okay. Yeah. Well, we don't, That's we a- do that like it once every four <laughs> years. Uh, or, or, you know, we're going to make this big sacrifice and give so much more money away this year. And we're doing it proactively with intentionality and with prayer. So. That's good. What was God's will fits within God's provision? Yeah. Yeah. God's will fits in God's provision. Nice. That's good. Yeah, if I if I had a Twitter, that for sure, that, that for Tweet sure that. be out there in the world. Yeah, yeah, I totally jacked it from uh, Brad. So it's not, it's thanks, not Brad. Wherever you are, Cassie, you want to add on to that? Yes. <laughs> um, so I mean, I I think Jordan just like crushed that question. So I don't have much to add. I think it kind of goes back to Josh, what he was saying, even at the beginning of asking yourself, if you're only sacrificing, if you only notice sacrifice in your, in your life and you start to think, well, if I'm not making all these sacrifices, then God isn't going to love me as much. Like any, any lies that you could be believing as to why you're only sacrificing or you're only experiencing God's good gifts. And on the other hand, if you're experiencing God's good gifts and you think, oh, well, if I don't, if I don't experience this good gift today, um, then God's holding out on me or he's, he's withholding good from me. Um, just to ask, ask yourself those questions. And I, I feel like what Jordan was getting at is just having mindfulness, like being a people that are like are self-controlled and we take our thoughts captive and we are mindful of um, the ways that we spend our time, the things that we do, uh, looking back on every week that we have, every day that we have, how did it, how did I spend uh, today? That's that's all I would add. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really good. Um, yeah. Well, this this next one. What are um, maybe Scott? I feel like you can answer this one well. Um, some practical ways 
to sacrifice for God's kingdom without it feeling joyless? Yeah, so I think one of the beautiful things about, uh, about God is that he never calls us to something without giving us the power to do it, but also uh, he ha- in his design, he has also created sacrifice to be for our joy. And most of us, when we think about sacrifice, we're thinking about what we're losing, but we rarely think about what we gain. And so I think one of the things that, uh, there's a passage of scripture that has really transformed my life, and it's in John chapter 15, uh, verse 11, uh, where Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy might be full. That's good. So really what he's saying there, right before that, he says, those who love me obey my commands. So sometimes we confuse sacrifice with obedience, like I, like, and what's crazy is that he's called us to be obedient, but he's designed it to where when you're obedient, he gives you joy. And so what's amazing and what's so, like, sometimes conflicting about the Christian life is that the most unsatisfied Christians are often the most disobedient ones. Mm. And because they're not give they're not giving God any opportunity to give them joy. So if you're walking a joyless Christian life right now, a good question to ask is when's the last time I've sacrificed, like really sacrificed for Jesus? Um, And if you don't have an answer for that, then maybe think of something and do it today. Like and just watch because God promised that He's going to give you joy. So I think just obedience. even everyday, mundane, like, didn't have to be, like, I don't know, something crazy, like, you know, I'm going to go share with someone, even though you should, but, like, just simple obedience, um, I think, can really transform your life, uh, because I think sacrifice, we often think, I'm going to actually lose joy, because God's going to send me somewhere that I don't want to go to. But no, it's actually, he want, he's your dad. He wants to give you joy, but we don't want to receive it because we don't want to obey. So um, yeah, just obey him. He loves you. Awesome. Um, yeah, and I even think about that, like uh, the simple daily obedience is where joy, not just these crazy things. Like I, um, Recently, I found when I would wake up in the morning, the first thing I would typically do is look at my phone, and it just led me to think about all the worries of the day before I spent time with Jesus. So I really feel like the Lord was saying to me for obedience, look at my word and listen to my voice before you hear the voice of anyone else in the world. And so obedience just looked like I, I put my phone somewhere else so I don't turn to that first thing in the morning. Plus, who needs me before uh, 4 a.m. When, when I wake up, you know? So, um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> uh, sacrifice, you know? Uh, no, I don't wake up at 4 at all. Um, although I did feel like I did this morning. Uh, man. Anyway, um, next one. So, that was, that was good, Scott. This one's for you, Cassidy. Um, because I think that, um, I think anyone that knows you knows you and you enjoy and you love God and you love life. (laughs) You have so much joy uh, and all that. And so I think it'd be helpful to hear from you. Um, what are some ways to really enjoy the good gifts God has given us without it becoming idolatry to where it ends on the giver or on the, on the gift rather than the giver? Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, I try to do this every morning when I wake up. It doesn't always happen, but I love Psalm 118, where it says, Today is the day the Lord has made, therefore rejoice and be glad in it. Um, Just literally to start off every day with that, because um, I, I start off thanking God for that, because I have reason to rejoice every single day. What is my reason for rejoicing? Like God, like he, like my reason for rejoicing is not um, all the other things that, because I don't know what every day is going to hold, but my reason for rejoicing is him and who God is. Um, And yeah, I just, I love starting off my day with that and um and remembering, like, he is the greatest gift. Like, he is the greatest gift, period. Like, nothing, nothing God plus any, like, all these other things. Um, so starting the day with that, and then 
I, I think um, in, in the piece of, you know, how to enjoy God's gifts without it becoming idolatry of idolatry, gifts can become idolatry when we take something that doesn't belong to us and we're like, this is mine. Like, I own this. Like, I, I cl- I'm clinching it. Like, I have to have it. And I think asking yourself in the gifts that you have, like, am I... Like, am I offering up Thanksgiving to God over this gift? Like, even over coffee. Like, guys, sometimes, like, I'll get the best coffee in the world, and I'm literally like, God, thank you so much. Like, this tastes awesome. Um, and it just, God is like, I What's mean. What's your coffee drink, Cassidy? What? Sorry, I just totally interrupted your foot. What's your favorite <laughs> coffee drink? Um, so I love, like, iced coffee with maple syrup and cinnamon. And wow, <laughs> that is a lot going on, but, man, praise, praise God. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. And, and I think it just shows, like, God cares. Like, he cares about that. He knows every hair on our head. Like, he cares about us also enjoying coffee. And um, so asking yourself, am I thanking God? Like, am I in constant thanksgiving to the Lord over these gifts because it, rem- it reminds us like I didn't do anything to earn this gift or deserve it. Like it's just given from my father who loves me. And I think when we are constantly thanking God for his good gifts, we see the very heart of our dad who, I mean, even that father that like the evil father in scripture, or it says if an evil father will like give his children gifts, um, and it's talking about what dad, if you ask for a fish, like, is he going to give you a scorpion or whatever? Like, how much more our heavenly father, like when we ask, will give us the spirit. And, um, and I think one other thing is asking yourself, you know, in the good gifts in your life, if you ask yourself, if this was taken away today, will I still praise God? Really will I good. still praise him? Yeah. Um, and I think about Job and how Satan was trying to say to God, like, God, Job is, like, Job only loves you because of what you're giving him. Um, and everything is taken from Job, and we see um, that, that Job sees the Lord is good to give, and he's good to take. Blessed be his name. Mm, um, that God really is enough. He is the greatest gift. Um, and felt like there's something else I was going to say, but... I lost it. So. Yeah, that's really anyway. good. That's really good. I love that question. Is awesome. If um, if God were to take away this gift, would I still praise Him? Right. I think that's super convicting. Yeah. Um, man. Well, thanks for that. So um, I want to kind of end on, um, I guess, a little more of a practical note here, uh, just to hear from all of you guys. And if we we might have time if you guys have any questions, we'll just open it up for for Q and A, and Cassie will answer all your questions. Um, but uh, yeah, the last kind of question is: um, What are some earthly pleasures or earthly gifts that you have sacrificed, and did that increase or decrease your your joy? Yeah, I th- I would say so. A lot of people are shocked at this. So we have no monthly subscriptions. So Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime, name it. Um, we are really, uh, this goes back to budgeting, honestly. If, if you, uh, well, one, if you go on staff at a church and you have a family of five, your budget's a little tight. But also, But like, Angus Barn, though. But it's plenty. His will fits in his provision. Um, But like, y'all, so the the reason I say that is, one, a lot of what Josh actually talked about last night, like, are you consuming and feasting on the world or are you feasting on the word? Um, All of of these social media platforms, Netflix, everything is basically designed to (laughs) take all of your time and to make you want more and to make you give them more money. Um, So we've actually kind of like... It's the in-between. Piper, like, never had a TV in his house or whatever. So yeah. we have a TV in our house. But, uh, but we don't have any of those uh, platforms. So that saved us a lot of money. But I would say more than money, it saved us so much time. Because um, we're not just consuming. I mean, you watch a Netflix, and it's like, next episode, five seconds. <laughs> it's like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's overwhelming. So that's one sacrifice that, like, I love shows. I love movies. Uh, but I watch less of them because of it. Uh, and then... Another one would be uh, like buying a bigger house in a neighborhood that we would want to live in. 
Um, and so we really inten- intentionally, and it took a lot of work and a lot of time because it's not easy to do this, but we intentionally bought a house in a diverse neighborhood in a community in Durham um, that, was, that ended up being way more affordable than it needed to be. And uh, so we had to like sacrifice a lot of things, like uh, stuff you would just think about when you go to buy a house, like space, uh, like bedrooms, size to host people, um, safety, like all of these things. Um, and uh, in the end, like we are right where God wants us to be. And uh, I think, you know, we really desire to live a multi-ethnic life. And so, uh, so much of that is, is actually intentionally moving your family towards diversity, not just towards the best school system. That's what America does. And that's what American Christianity does. I've seen it. All of my friends move away when their kids get to school age. And it's like, why? Wait. Okay. Anyway, but uh, going to go on a tangent. So, like, I, I think, and that has led to more joy, like, because it gives us and puts us in spaces that are uncomfortable, that are hard, and God's church is multi-ethnic, and when you have multi-ethnic community and family, yes, it's strange and awkward and hard at times, but it leads to way more joy in the end, um, and I'm really thankful that we made that decision, so. Yeah, praise God. That's good, man. I think I remember the question. Uh, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna send it. All right. So I think that, <laughs> I that. Uh, one thing. Um, so prior to going into ministry, um, I I was an insurance broker. I um, really wanted to make a lot of money because uh, a lot of my friends were, you know, two three years out of college, you know, making six figures, and I was like, dang, that is a nice car. I want that. And I think what was so hard about it was. Um, I simultaneously also knew that God was calling me into ministry. And so I had this battle of like, okay, do I go after money and success and like the things that I know deep down in like my heart that I think will actually give me like praise and approval, which is like that deep down desire is because I often don't find it in the Lord. I find it in what you think of me or what somebody else thinks of me. And so I think giving up like what would be in the world's eyes successful. Um, And because my parents are in ministry and I know how difficult and like hard it can be. Uh, And I was like, nah, bro, I'm not trying to go into ministry. That is too hard. Uh, But then when I realized that God, that's what he called me to, uh, now I've found it to be my great, one of my greatest joys uh, in life. And so money is a huge temptress, and it can be so alluring, but uh, forsaking that, and you could fill the blank with whatever you're thinking. It doesn't have to be money. It could be whatever. Like forsaking those things to do what God has called you to uh, regardless of what it is, like you will find more joy there uh, than in any plan you could conceive for yourself. So, Yeah, when I thought about this question, I was actually thinking about the Sabbath. um, And obviously, or your Sabbath, it's going to look different for everyone depending um, on what you enjoy and, and how you're kind of wired. And I love being with people like all the time. Like I never, like I always want to fill my time with people and friendships and noise in a sense of um, like being some people who are like, yeah, I love, like I love being alone, like quiet all that. I'm like, that is my worst nightmare. Like, um, but for the Sabbath in particular, like sacrificing things um, to be able to Sabbath, like saying no, um, saying no to something that may be good, but you're saying yes to something that's better. And um, and so specifically for Sabbathing, like for me, that looks like not really seeing a bunch of people because I'm with people all the time um, and having hours of extended time with Jesus where I go actually to this garden and it's like it's basically silent there. Um, So that's a big step for me, just being in like complete quiet. Um, But it really it really has led to so much joy. It is, 
I think about Jesus in the times in scripture where it noted he withdrew, like he withdrew from everything to be with the Father. Um, and ask yourself, like, am, am I, do I have moments like that where I am withdrawing from all the noise, all the distraction, all of these things um, to be with God? And it's led to a lot of joy because, um, yeah, it's where I've just experienced a lot of rest in Jesus um, for the Sabbath. That's good. That's really good. Well, I, w- I wanted you guys to hear that because um, I think it's Matthew um, thirteen forty four, uh, where it says the kingdom of heaven is um, like a treasure that's hidden in the field, and a man uh, finds, he stumbles on that treasure, and he goes and he sells all that he has, and he buys that field. So if you think about that parable um, that Jesus tells, he's giving up something, right? He's selling all that he has, but it says in joy, he goes and buys that whole field. Why? Because of the treasure he's about to receive. Jesus is that joy. He is that treasure that when you sell your field, when you um, give up your, some of your time, when you give up certain uh, money, when you give up social media, whatever it is, like when you give those things up, Jesus is that treasure that says it is, he is always, he's a treasure that is always worth giving everything for. And there has never been a sacrifice I or I know any of um, anyone on this panel have made that Jesus on the other side of that sacrifice has not met us with abundantly more joy. Um, so I wanted you to hear that just to hear, because sometimes, um, I mean, we see sacrifice as this terrifying thing, but it is, there is far more joy in obedience and in sacrifice than there is in not. So there's that. There's also the tension of, there is also a ton of joy to be had in enjoying God's gifts and leading those, uh, le- letting those lead you to stir your affections for the giver. Um, so that's the tension. Uh, do you guys have any, any questions? Um, we, we got a few minutes left, so I'm just going to open it up. Any questions? And we'll... Go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking about like the gifts that God gives us, like in terms of, well, success, good job. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So how, how do you like, how do you rightly receive God's good things he gives you, success, a job, even talents he's given you, gifts, abilities, without that leading to boasting? I was repeating the question. You guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's, that's really... That's a great question. Um, I think there's, I think there's a tension uh, to this because I think we can often be so quick to be like, like, hey man, like that was like your job's awesome, or you did a really good job at doing this, or man, I really see the Lord's gift in you in this area. And I think sometimes we can be really quick to just be like, oh, praise God. And I think it is good to give Him credit and give Him glory, but I also think that. Um, people can sense a false humility in you trying to be humble. Um, and sometimes it's okay to just, when someone says, hey, like, man, you are, you're really smart, like, or you're really good at this or whatever, say, hey, thank you. Like, I, that really means a lot that you would say that. Um, and yeah, I've been learning a lot. The Lord's been teaching me a lot, but thank you. And I think that posture of, uh, it sounds odd to say, don't be so quick to thank God. Uh, but I think that we can go on the side of like trying to be so humble that we actually make it about ourselves even more uh, than it actually needs to be. So I don't know if that's helpful, but yeah. That's really good. Do you guys have anything to add? That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I think the false humility thing is, is huge because that, you know, you see this a lot and um, when you say, man, like, I'm really, you really, even like, you know, if someone comes up to me, like, last night, if someone says, man, that was, um, that sermon was awesome, you know, like, really think the Lord used you, the temptation for me is to be like, oh, no, nah, man, like, you know, I really messed up this point, or messed up, the, you know, whatever, and, like, that's my temptation, because I want, I don't want, I want to, like, lower myself in their, in their eyes, but that actually, that actually strips God of glory. Yes. Because that, that wasn't, like, if I say, oh, I really messed up that point, that's about me, right? It's about, like, my ability to get points rather than, man, um, thank you for saying that uh, because it was all the spirit of God that empowered me uh, to preach last night, right? Like, that wasn't anything, um, uh, you know, that, that I concocted or whatever. Like, it was all the spirit. So I think it is, that false humility thing is really um, tempting, <laughs> For sure. Any I think, other? I qu- think uh, too. Just like in that, just think of the Imago Day. 
Like, so God created everything. He created it for his glory. And then he created humankind, and he said, they image me. And so, and just like he accomplishes his mission, he accomplishes his work, he accomplishes everything on earth through, like, us, essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the gospel doesn't go forward outside of a, mouth, a human mouth speaking it. And so, I mean, that just kind of blows my mind when you think about it. Like, and God chose to, uh, like, Jesus is God and fully man, and he came to accomplish his work. So I would also just say that, like, God uses us for his glory. Um, and so we shouldn't be so quick. Like, what, Josh, what you were saying, that made me think of that. Just bring it back to the Mago day. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah, that's really good. Um, there's a book called, I think it's called Enjoying God's Gifts, actually, uh, or something like that. And um, a guy that was um, kind of, I guess, mentored by John Piper wrote it because John Piper um, is all about like God's glory is found when you're most satisfied in him. And this guy was like, yeah, but what about when I'm satisfied in a cheeseburger, you know? Uh, or his big thing was um, uh, baseball or something like that. I can't remember. But anyway, it's all about like how to enjoy like secular good gifts. But really quick, um, I guess I, I'll use an example. I love movies. Um, and just to be clear, your question is like how how can something that's secular, not overtly spiritual, like even something like flowers, it's still like God's creation, but something like a, like music or movies that are maybe not Christian, not like Hillsong or like fireproof or whatever. Right. Is that, okay. Um, so bat, I love Batman. Um, like I love the Batman movies, all of them. Um, and my wife just asked me the question, if you could go back and relive any experience for the first time, what would it be? And I said, when I saw the dark night at midnight release, it was awesome. Oh, it was epic. And she was like, what about our wedding? And I was like, that too. Like, that would be, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Um, but I, uh, I love it. And the reason, though, I love it is it's obviously awesome acting and all those things. But also um, the story, like, it's an incredible picture of um, both darkness, right, that we feel in the world today, like darkness and brokenness. And you see that in the Joker and all these things. But also in light, and in good, overcoming evil, and all those things, right? And in sacrifice. So um, even for me, like connecting a lot of the themes that you see in movies and music um, and worshiping God for the ways that those are beautifully and redemptively displayed in the gospel is awesome. And um, Tim Keller, or no, J.R. Tolkien, the guy that wrote Lord of the Rings, he says um, every story, like the best parts of every story find its like roots and answer in the gospel, you know, like you think about the um, fairy tales and the dragon being crushed and, you know, uh, the, um, you know, the good winning and overcoming darkness or whatever. Like it all finds its, um, I guess you could say, ultimate redemption and theme in the gospel where good overcomes evil, where light overcomes darkness, where true love is truly found in Jesus who never leaves us and never forsakes us that every rom-com finds problems with, right? There's always someone leaving and forsaking. So anyway, in every movie or music, you can, you can kind of connect those things to the gospel. That book has a lot of other ways, but I've found for music and movies, that's good. Not, or also just really good music, really good movies. You can praise God because God gave them those gifts, right? Like when, it, when a six foot 10 dude dunks a basketball, that six foot 10 dude is not impressive, What's impressive is the God that made that guy six foot ten, you know? Like, if I was six foot ten, I'd get dunked too, you know? Um, so, yeah, anyway. I love your mind. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was thinking. Just everything is, like, from God. Like, even film or music, it's a, a person is creating that, a person who God made, and going back to everyone bears the image of God, um, and so not even a, a question, I guess, of like if it's secular or not, but um, I guess kind of going back to earlier, like is it leading to sin in my life um, or not since like uh, it, it, it is hard though to discern. I think one other thing is really quickly, you know, w- the assignment that God gave Adam and Eve was to cultivate the earth for human flourishing right? So they are to lay the ground, till the ground, all these things, you know, uh, they started to multiply and now there's people and there's government and culture and all of these things. These are God's ideas, 
Like these aren't ours, and all all we do through through music or the arts or through politics or whatever, um, like these things are supposed to be reflections of our Creator. And so, whether it's secular uh, or not, like I think that all of it points to the beauty and the glory of God and our capacity to live these things out and just for the sake of us enjoying them. Uh, he's awesome with that. Like he just gave us all these awesome things to do, <laughs> to experience and to know. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Well, can you guys give it up for the panel? Man, thank you guys. Um, so our prayer, our prayer as you leave is that you would joyfully sacrifice much uh, because Jesus is worthy, and that you would go and worship God as you enjoy a nice cup of coffee that has some great citrusy notes in it from Jubala. You know, so worship as you drink coffee. That's the theme. So, um, hey, love you guys. Thankful for you all. Uh, let me pray really fast and you'll be sent. God, I pray that you would help us to enjoy your good gifts as a father who gives good gifts. And God, help us to identify areas where we, we may need to, um, God, sacrifice to joyfully obey you and what you are calling us into. Um, God, we see sacrifice as a joy. We see your good gifts as something meant to lead us to praise and worship the giver. Uh, we love you. We pray. Amen.